When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog Rose and Jamie are two best friends And they love sex and the city And they couldn't help but wonder Do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Cosmos, Cheese, So many dudes. Every single dude. dude All the dudes And we couldn't help but wonder With Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Jamie Lee. And I'm Rose Cerno. And this is Couldn't, Couldn't Help, Help But, but wonder. wonder, a podcast where we talk about sex and the city and how it relates to, to us. us. Jamie. O M F to the G. L M A O. I cannot. <laughs> Listeners, you don't even know how special this episode already is for me. I have not seen Rose in... It's been a bit. It's been a bit. Since and you delivered me to a hospital since for an I appointment. De- I did. I picked you up from the hospital and, and took you home. And you were laying down in my back seat. And it made me very, very sad. But um, That's yeah, been a while. it's just really thrilling to be doing the podcast with you. I'm really happy to see you. And I'm so happy to see you. And I'm so happy to be back at the pod. I literally lost all my will for everything. So I'm happy to be with my peeps doing what's so much fun. And, you know, it's good. Why to- don't you have to kick us off for okay. the who were you this I, week? I thought you about have, this. You, you've got some stuff to talk okay. about. Before I get into this, I would say, listeners, <laughs> that the majority of you guys are like, we get iTunes reviews, we get direct messages and you love hearing us talk about stuff. But once in a while, we'll get an iTunes review that's like, cut to the sex in the city already. So I'm just going to say right now, go in 25 minutes or something if you just want to hear the sex in the city review. Just scroll forward. Yeah, we got some catching up to do. Yeah. We've so, got some, nom, some non-SATC work to do before exactly. we get to that. So, um, some you know. friendship work. Yeah. Uh, as many of you know, and I've gotten a lot of love on Instagram, um, you guys have been so wonderful. Uh, I've had this incredibly debilitating back issue and I had surgery about a week ago and before surgery, she had fucking surgery. You guys, sorry. That's not small. <laughs> Thank you, That's Jamie. like a big goddamn deal. You know, what's funny is people are always like, oh my God, how scary. I can't believe you're getting surgery. The pain I was in was so scary that there was nothing scary about right. surgery. I was like, literally you were like waiting for it. You I was like, like a wandering Jew in the desert for... and I saw yes. like water in the distance. I was literally counting down the days every day. And, and my back had been pretty, pretty horrendous for about two months, two and a half months, but Jesus, something horrible so happened, which is that I went to a physical therapist two weeks before the surgery and the pain went from horrendous to like, like, I don't know how long I can do this type of thing. And so who I was this week, I'm going to say I'm Brady, the baby. Oh my God. (laughs) Because I literally wore an an adult diaper one day. 
I'm literally learning how to walk. Um, everything, the, the week and a half before the surgery, the pain was so bad that every day I would be in this one room that I'm in now and I would have to pee and I would have to brush my teeth. But I would say to myself, if I move, it's oh going to feel God. like I'm electrocuted. And I don't oh know if I God. can do that. So I would get out of bed one time a day crying and just like hobble into the bathroom. And that was it. I mean, I didn't wash my face. I didn't wash my hair. Did like, you like purposely not drink a lot of water? Because you were like, I can't even deal with pain. No, no. The pain was so bad that I peed once a day and I didn't even, I didn't even have to pee. I was just in... Wow. It was pretty like, like there was a day where, oh my God, it's like going to bring tears to my eyes. But there was this day where I was in so much pain. I was just like, I felt like I was, I almost had an anxiety attack because the pain was so bad yeah. that I was like, am I dying? Like, oh my God, and I gross. was like, oh my God, mom, we have to go to the emergency room. Like I need morphine. And she was like, it's COVID. I'm 66. I can't go to the emergency room. So I think the thing that was really scary was that like I had a desk full of pills and I would take all of them and nothing wow. would get better. Holy shit. It was, it was honestly like frightening. If this surgery didn't Terrifying. work, I don't even know what I would do. So everything just got really simple. Every day was just like lean forward to eat a little bit of a milkshake, you know, watch something cry and like have terror. It was just like horrific. And then, you know, not to mention the fact that I was so mad at myself for going to this physical therapist, even though my pain doctor was like, yeah. don't be mad at yourself. So many people go to physical therapy and it works for so many people. You didn't do anything wrong. It's just one of those things where I think you're also what just I like trying to fix it. You were like, I will do anything. See anyone like just get me out of this pain. Yeah. And I think what I learned is when you, the universal you, when I am ever hopefully never in this kind of pain again. But when I think a person is in acute pain, I think it is not a safe time to see a body worker at all, any body worker. I don't care if they're Reiki, massage. I think if your body is completely fucked, you can only see doctors. That is my new thing. Like if my body is like fucked from head to toe, I just don't trust somebody who's not a doctor. We're very, yeah, I would say after this experience, you're like, you know, you're pro Western medicine at this point. <laughs> I mean, like, for super intense shit, it's literally yeah, the for only this, thing. For this, I'm not saying that there's I no think value low there. I'm chronic, saying like, yes. yeah, yeah, when it's that, when it's that dire you and that debilitating, you, can't you put have your body to just in those go see a medical doctor. Yes, exactly. So finally, the day came, I got the surgery. Um, you know, basically... It's actually a pretty minimal surgery. It's one hour. They put you under general anesthesia. You wake up and you go home. You don't even sleep over. Um, and we tell our listeners what the surgery issue is. Was. Okay. Or what, so, what, no, what the problem was that you were oh, fixing. Her herniated disc? I right? had a herniated disc. And, and the thing is, listeners, your parents, your friends, it's very, very common. And not most people do not need surgery. Most people can chiropractor, yoga. There's a lot of things you can do. Mine was just horrific. And basically what it means is you have a spine with these vertebrae and in between vertebrae, you have these discs made out of like gooey collagen. And if you do something like move furniture or like fall wrong or do a dance move and tweak anything, pick up a kid and your 
disc slips, it slips out of alignment and it basically slips onto a nerve. So it's just pressing down on the nerve every single day and it's just shooting pain up and down and you don't get relief until you move the disc off. So they have to go there and just remove it and like take it off. It's basically, there's a red button that says pain and your disc is just lying on it. And as soon as you take it off, it's literally fine. But until you do, it's just like, the messages in your body are like pain, 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 like day and night. And so they just went in and took it off. Um, and then, you know, the incision is two inches. It's really small. Really small, yeah. And I woke up from anesthesia and, you know, they put so many delicious drugs inside of your body. Of course. That when I woke up, I was like, oh my God, this is a miracle. I was like walking and I felt no pain. And I Holy had been... Shit. The grossest thing, there's like absolutely no dignity in like the level of pain I had. Like... I, you know, my clothes were dirty because I was like eating. Like, I mean, what it's disgusting. To do? It's like yeah. absolutely disgusting. So, like, the huge wins were that not only could I take a couple blocks walk, but when I came home, I could like sit up to eat dinner, which was like incredible. And I was so optimistic. I was like, oh my God, mom, I can go home in like a couple of days. She's like, oh, I don't know. I was like, mom, the pain's gone. And then I went to bed at five and then at three in the morning, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, Chucky's back, but it wasn't as bad. But it was just a little, you know, there was just some pain still. And then, you know, every day I've been getting better and better, taking longer walks, sitting longer, but there still is nerve pain. And I was a little concerned about that. And I asked my pain doctor and she said, like, listen, your nerves were like absolutely like just shot. They're not just going to like bounce right back. Yeah. It's going to take them a while. So the idea is that in six weeks, I'm like pretty brand new. Oh, wow. And hopefully okay. between two and four weeks I can drive and, you know, but uh, we were talking before we started recording and uh, one of our producers, Anna and editors and geniusers uh, was saying it's like a miracle. It actually is because I went from being like, honestly, like full body panic to brush my teeth to like casually getting up and making dinner. So that is kind That's of fucking incredible. wild. Yeah, yeah but that it is wild. I mean, you were... <laughs> Yeah. You it was like, it was horrifying. A, you were like a limp body. Yeah. It was so horrifying. And I had therapy for the first time in weeks because I canceled the podcast. I canceled 12 step. I didn't go to therapy. I didn't do anything. I was literally just trying to survive. And I finally went to therapy and I was just like gushing tears. And he was like, mm. and I was like, I feel so, I feel like Brady. I feel like a baby. It's like, I don't even know how to pick up the pieces because it really like knocks the wind out of your sails. It really is traumatic, honestly. And even if the pain is much better, you don't just like, it kind of like rocks your confidence. It really is like a scary. Oh, I believe that. Yeah. yeah. And he kind of just put something in perspective and he was like, Rose, you were in like a state of emergency, like fight or flight, like the way people feel in like an emergency. You were feeling that every day for months. Like your whole nervous system is like busted. And he was like, it's going to take you a while to feel like, happy and relaxed and, and also confident. like to trust your body again because there was a betrayal there as are well are you kidding me i had ptsd yeah. for days after the surgery even though it didn't hurt that much to get out of bed i was still really scared and that kind of stuff it's like it just affects your brain and it's just made me realize like it's gonna be a process of healing for my body and for my spirit because this really took it out of me yeah but the good news is 
the surgery was a, a huge success. I'm Amazing. picking my life back together. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so grateful for our listeners. I'm so grateful for the millionth time for Jamie for setting up this podcast and inviting me to co-host. It's such a pleasure. It's something that I like deeply look forward to every week and it adds a lot of joy to my life. So thanks Ugh, for letting I'm me so, it's be on like the journey. Really, it's also just so good to see you and like you're not in the backseat of my car. You're just like in front of my face and we're talking and like, <laughs> yes, yes. it's just a nice, um, yeah, yeah you've I, been very loving and you know, Jamie was very sweet about driving me to things and being totally understanding. So thanks for being a good friend. Of course. I'm yeah. I don't even know what to say. I'm so glad you're not in pain. I'm glad that if me you too. have pain, it's not it's, that kind it's of pain. So, it's so man. It's like a fucking no, yeah. it's nothing. It's, it's a different game. So thank Ugh. you so much. And I know guys, so that was terrifying. a really long uh, thing. But, no, if you hadn't but, done that, I would be like, I need more. Yeah. <laughs> Give me the deets. You know, it's like I, you and I were talking and it's like, I do want to figure out a way to like make art about this. And I'm not sure what it is, but it's, this is the kind of thing that it's, it's going to take me a long time to really understand what, what just happened. Almost, yeah. I think you, you know? need some like space from it. So totally. you can reflect upon it. Yes. Okay. Uh, I just need to make an announcement just because my life was hell and now is coming back. Uh, <sighs> I I still want other people to experience joy and happiness and anything you have to share, you know, is going to be a light for me. So tell me about who oh you were this God. week and I was how so you are. In, like, I was just so engrossed in everything you were saying that I like, I, I a kind of forgot that we were recording and B <laughs> have no idea who I was this week. Like, I really just wanted to hear about you. Um, okay. Cal, who were you? This. What happened this week? Who was, okay. Who was I? What happened to me? Um, you went on a nice trip at one point. Did we already talk about that? Oh yeah. I went to Sedona. Yeah. Tell us about that fabulous trip. Yeah, um, I went on a trip with a group of wonderful friends. We went to, we rented a house in Sedona and it was like a great house for, I have two dogs. My friend has one dog. They all play together. It was completely fenced in. So the dogs were just like roaming free, having fun. And we stayed there for a week and it was just like gorgeous. It was just amazing because like I I'm working like very regularly scheduled hours. I work like pretty much 10 to three every day on Zoom, which feels like 12 hours so epic more to than do that four. On Zoom. Um, I can't even imagine. Yeah. The reason I say four is because we take a lunch break. But yeah, it's um, I just want to let everyone know that I know that the math sounded like five. But um, yeah, it uh, so I was doing that during the day. And then um, my friend Emma um, she is a podcast host for a podcast that hasn't come out on Spotify just yet, but she's like, um, doing a crime podcast. So she has to do all these interviews. So she was like working really hard at her job. Like interviewing Similar people who were like murder experts um, and pr stuff. Pretty much. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Or like new, new, a murderer. Yeah. So oh she God. was working really intensely. I was working really intensely, but then we would finish around the same time and all of us would like go do a really awesome hike at like 5 PM and, one night we even did a hike um, that like by the time we got back to the car, it was just like pitch blackout, which was like That's very so cool. fun and kind of spooky and exciting. And yeah, all of the hikes in Sedona are very adventurous. Like you have to really pay attention. It's not like in LA, like LA hikes, I think are challenging in that they can be like at an incline and it's They're really challenging dusty. that your makeup has to look good just in case. Yeah, your makeup has to look you. good. You have to have like, yeah, aloe, like head to toe, Lululemon, like whatever your, you know, carbon 83, whatever it freshly is. Freshly Botoxed. Um, yeah. Freshly Botoxed. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, they are challenging. They can be, but this was challenging in like. Were you like very... dangling off a little cliff with your pinky yeah. finger? 
basically like there was, there was one hours. hike there was one hike that was rated a moderate hike and I was doing full body climbing and to the point where I was like I can't believe I'm just wearing tennis shoes like I should Jamie. be wearing hiking boots this Adventures is so hard too. yeah it was I felt like it really was kind of like self-esteem building <laughs> because I there were points where like people in our group would turn back they're like I'm good like I just don't need to go up any higher and I was like I'm going so good girl yeah, I, it was really fun and um, you have to pay such close attention or you will plummet to your death so the great thing about that is it really takes you out of your head I totally see why people like go to Sedona to get like spiritually cleansed or I whatever, love Sedona because it's impossible to focus on anything else when you're doing a hard hike like you have to fucking be alert and like get out of your head and did you feel spiritual focus. because there's vortexes there like spiritual yeah well vortexes. the whole thing is supposed to be a vortex um I didn't really feel spiritual although even if I did knowing my like sort of asshole comedy <laughs> brain I'd probably find a way to like talk myself out of it or like intellectualize myself oh my out God. of it um but the closest I felt to being spiritual was just like yeah, just like how present you have to be during those sort of outdoor activities. Um, you really cannot be like thinking about work or thinking about anything other than what's right in front that of you. That sounds so like so much fun. It was really fun. So in conclusion, I was a God, none of those girls would go on a hike. Oh I was an God. Aiden. I was you an, were Aiden. an Aiden. Yeah, wow, I was. That's so I was accurate. a full blown Aiden. Yeah, I feel like he's the only one. I or maybe there were moments where no, no, I was in Aiden. I was going to say there were moments. There was a moment where I was like Carrie when she goes with Aiden to his cabin in the woods. Except for um, you weren't because a total cunt about it. At, well, kind of. At one point, there was a tarantula outside. <laughs> and I I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm, I don't have any... I'm not arachnophobic, but I am incredibly tarantula-specific phobic. Oh my I think God, they you're are a tarantulist. Truly the most disgusting terrifying i i hate 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 like i don't even like saying the word to be honest i want actually have said i've called them a t before oh my god but i'm trying not to be sound psycho so i said the full word for you i cannot wow, tell you jamie how much this I is such them. good information this is like if anyone ever does like a newlywed type thing about like how close of friends we are this is yeah. important info. this is it no this is the fact okay. uh, a factoid if yeah. you will this I don't is know a good a little toy fact. this is a great it's toy it's a toy it's yeah. a toy um but yeah it, it they are so gross and so anyways there was one outside and the, this is going to sound really truly nuts but the entire week i was having premonitions if you will of i am oh going God, to i am going to come into contact with the tarantula at some point during this visit you, like, your spider sense literally spider my sense literal spidey <laughs> sense yeah i was like it's gonna happen um, i could see myself like being on a hike and i see one during the day i don't know when it's gonna happen but i had gone the entire week and i was like fuck yeah like no tarantulas i was in tarantula Jamie? territory didn't didn't see You're one tarantula last I was the last night I was there. I was sitting at the kitchen table and my friend Heath, Emma's husband, Heath comes in and he was like, holy fucking shit. There's a tarantula outside. And I was like, oh my God. And everyone rushed out and they like took all these. Heath has this like really expensive, cool camera. And he's like, I'm going to take like close up photos of it. And no, he thank did. You. Yeah, he did. And I just pleasantly sat by myself inside while the entire group was out there gawking at the tea. And I was like, nah, not, not this Jamie, one. I'm going to just sit here and watch Netflix and try to believe that there is not a furry, crunchy critter that exists. The fact that it's fur paired with an exoskeleton <laughs> makes me want 
to die. That is the most disgusting thing I can think of. Wow. I have not heard this much passion since I don't even know. This is like a presidential speech. That was wild. If Jamie and I were dudes and we were in our 20s. Vote Biden. You guys, if we Biden were. Harris Oh, my God. The passion. No, no exoskeleton. You got the part, okay? You got the part. Basically, oh. if we were guys and I was like, if we were guys in our 20s, I would take that information. And the next time we hung out, I would buy a fake spider and like put it in her bed. But I would never do that. Okay. To you. I thought I would that, never do as that to I you. told you. I would I was never like, do that to you. I never. know you wouldn't. But I could see someone <gasps> DMing Nobody us. do I that to are, Jamie. Do, guys, please don't. <laughs> don't I'm mail her you. any spiders. Don't mail or don't just like be like, oh, my God, like check out this funny video. And then it's just a tea. No. <laughs> If you do that, rolled. you're going to D because I'm going to K you. Okay. <laughs> this is hysterical. Well, in summation, I'm very proud of you because I think in a lot of fabulous ways you're a Carrie. So I'm glad you explored your inner Aiden that week. Yes. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, Jamie well, also. Should we? Yes. Okay. I'm oh, just no. sorry. Let's but... not get into the app. No, let's not. I don't want to go there yet. I'm sorry, but you took a really cool video. Jamie took a cool video. Like Sedona's like super, super hippie, mystical yes. wizards. And Jamie had some cool video on her Instagram that looked like a lot of fun where like hippies were just like dancing to yeah. music. Did you participate that was... in that? Well, no, because it didn't look COVID friendly. People oh, were wow. pretty close. Um, but Tell if us what they you happened more... upon. So, yeah. Okay. So there's one, there are so many hikes, but one hike that's very famous is called Cathedral Rock. That's the one that's more like mountain climbing. Like you actually have to use your whole body to get up rocks and stuff. But as you're approaching the base, there are sort of these like plateau, sorry, as you're approaching the mountain is what I meant to say at Mm -hmm. the base of the mountain, there are these like plateaus, these sort of like where you can hang out literally outdoor dance floors, like just eroded rock that is very, very flat. Great. And people at sundown go there and play music and i i guess there was a dude who like honestly started a facebook group that's like outdoor summer dance i don't know but there was one guy in particular who was clear it was like his sound system wow and he kept saying as you approached that part of the rock like do you want to join us please anyone's welcome and it just got more and more and more crowded so we wearing masks no Oh. Not a lot of masks in Arizona. Okay. Yeah. Shocker. So yeah, it was not a lot of masks and everyone was very close. And uh, but if we weren't in a pandemic, a hundred percent I would have done it. Because it looks like, like fun. why not? It yeah, like a it was good like time. so st- it was funny because some of the music was very like just like a lot of chimes. Yes. Yes. Or like it was more like world music, and Ooh. then it just straight up was like prodigy i am the fire starter like Ooh, yeah. it, it took a turn into very recognizable music Ooh. also thank you for not making fun of whatever i thought i was doing no um, i i, I, was I, didn't do it. I, I was, know like what that was <laughs> i thought it was a specific song that you knew so i was I just, just thinking like disco it. vibes no no it was very like chi- it was like chime like no. we might want to like we might yeah you, we might want to cut it out because you might want to record that yeah, honestly, oh, I want to hang on. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't drop that EP. That's so quick. true. That's Little true. Miss. You guys yeah. are right. Hi, everybody. Tim Heidecker here with huge news. We have a terrific episode of Office Hours Live prepared for you. We had the great stand-up comedian Kyle Kinane come in, and a very special 
in-studio music session from legendary Emdu Mokhtar. You're not going to want to miss this one. You can find it on your podcast app of choice by going to Sears or Macy's and getting an iPod and then coming home, charging it up and listening through your app. Well, Jamie was an Aiden. I was a Brady. Should we hear about the rest of the girls? Yeah, let's do it. I think there are some other people in this show that we should talk about as well. Let's hit it. Okay, so guys, we are on season five, episode two. It's called Unoriginal Sin. Rose, take it away. Thank you, Jamie. The episode kicks off with Carrie struggling. Her column's about sex and relationships, but if she isn't having sex and she's not in a relationship, what does she even write about? I'm in a dating desert. They're going to have to change the name of my column to just and the city. Or they'll just cancel it. You're on the side of a bus, for God's sake. Then why did my editor call? He never calls. I am not getting laid. Therefore, I'm getting laid off. You're not getting laid off. Samantha, I don't know if you read the rest of the paper, but these are troubled times. People with real jobs are getting laid off. This is not a good economy in which to be whipped cream. Last night, I actually started writing about my sock drawer. Men as socks. Hmm, socks in the city. I think you and I need to go find some men. (laughs) There are no men, that's the problem. There are men? You just have to know where to look for them. When are you free? No, no, I'm not trolling for men just to have something to write about. You people go have sex, report back. I can only help if you want to write about baby-proofing. I'll tell you how to baby-proof. Use a condom. What can I get you? I'd like the veggie scramble and wheat toast. I'll have an order of fries. Maybe I'll make it a two-parter. I'd like the Denver omelet and hash browns. Thank you. I'll have the fruit plate, and I'm back with Richard. Richard, whose death we've been plotting? Well, maybe there are no men. <laughs> I finally agreed to listen to what he had to say, and... I've never known anyone like you, Samantha. I was in over my head, and this I got scared. He got scared? Just... Well, that doesn't excuse the... Okay, that coming from you is almost as disturbing as the news itself. I get scared. I hide under the covers, not between somebody's legs. Perhaps you had to be there. Perhaps you're going to have to be there around the clock to make sure he doesn't get scared again. You know, being scared is not an easy thing for a man to admit. So what, they get a medal for correctly identifying a feeling? We do that all day long. I I feel pissed off. (laughs) Ta-da! Oh, Miranda. Oh, that was heaven. What a great, great combo. A lot happening. A lot happening. Also, can we just start with um, Carrie saying these are troubled times. People are getting laid off. I'm like, oh, what God, they don't even it? know what's coming. <laughs> when I heard that, uh, I was like, oh, they thought that they were troubled back then, too. Like, God, if they could see 2020. Yeah, wasn't that like, like the just mid-90s? kidding. We take it back. Yeah. No, or this, like early. Two, what is Yeah, this oh, is no. so post 9-11. So this is like that little. Remember, there was that small sort of like economic reset yes, after yes. 9-11 yes it's uh, always so, been troubled times now it's just yeah. troubling i like times. that she called herself i mean it's not a good time to be whipped cream i'm like oh my god what a cute thing to be what did that mean just like she's fluff it's not like she's doing like investigative oh, crime reporting. okay yeah i didn't understand that i was like why did she say Neither that did i well, I um, must say, yeah. if I may, Let's hear it, please. That this is very relatable to me because, um, you know, for my twenties, I was writing about sex and dating for magazines yeah, in were, New York. You were Carrie Bradshaw. Yeah, and it, it was a really weird thing because there would be times where I like was in between boyfriends or not having sex. And I remember when I worked at Cosmo, and they would like 
give me these sex toys to try. And I would literally be like, well, who am I supposed to try them on? And I would have to like call old ex-boyfriends and be like, this is really weird, but can we try like the gargantuan together and stuff? Holy shit. I'm not kidding, Jamie. I would have to call exes and we'd like ha- oh get a couple drinks. God. It was so awkward. And then I'd have to like review these toys and... <laughs> It was just really fucking weird. It, wow. it, being a sex and dating writer, I think, is really weird because, you know, a lot of people that do it are young or they're people that are in between stuff. It's not like people that are settled in there because then you'd be writing about marriage or something. Right. So it's just it's up and down. So you guys are kind of like you're kind of little guinea pigs that are being tested on a little bit. Yeah. And so I totally relate to her. They're being like, like, we're settled down. The editors are like, we're married. We're settled down. We have a house in Connecticut. Like, Rose, you live in Brooklyn and yes. you're single. Yes. Put and this in your pussy. Exactly. And and I actually think that there was a time when I was writing this type of work that was like in the mid to late 2000s where like first person stuff was really popular. Yeah. And like Jezebel and Vice and New York Magazine, people were really eating up these like well-written, funny anecdotes that a lot of women were writing about their lives. It was sort of like a golden age of like personal writing, I think, especially if you were in New York and read the blogs like Gawker and Jezebel and stuff. Um, and like the hairpin and the all. And yeah, stuff. ready for all that stuff. But the thing that was creepy yeah, about that. Hairpin, the, I remember that. Yeah. Um, the thing that's weird about that stuff is when you write for that stuff, it does kind of affect your personal life. Because then when you're dating people, they're like, are you going to write about this? And then you're not sure how much. It's kind of similar to stand up if you were just started dating somebody and you're like, you just, there's a lot of like, how much do I protect? How much do I reveal? It's, it's such a d- delicate balance when you use your life as your art it's it there's no one way to do it but but it's i can totally relate to carrie being like what am i going to do for my column and and almost like trying to dig at the bottom of the barrel and just almost like try and get a relationship going just to have like material right about which is yeah, kind of creepy but that also that's how i feel in comedy as well i think that's like that what you bring up about like you know you need to like live to have something to have something to create around. Yeah, totally. Like you need that inspiration. It's true. I I think about that a lot where I'm just like, oh, I should like do something fucking like irresponsible and crazy just to be like, I did something irresponsible and crazy. It's like, where do you get the material? But it's kind of interesting because I do also think that for comedians and writers and stuff, it's different. It's like writers, like first person writers, like, um, you know, anyone who writes books of essays, David Sedaris and, you know, Samantha Irby, our friend Phoebe Robinson, you wrote a book about your, you know, ridiculous. It's like, you know, if that is the avenue, then you have to be doing things. But then there's other kinds of writers like uh, Don DeLillo that just like write about like the slow ennui of like suburban marriages, you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's true. That's why I love that movie Orange County so much. I never seen it. Oh, it's so wonderful. What's it about? see it. It's a, about this guy. It's played by Colin Hanks when he's very, very young. Um, and he wants to go to Stanford for their writing program. Um, and it's just about like how his application gets fucked up and he just really wants to be a writer and um, he wants to like leave his home in Orange County. He's like, I need to go like where all the brilliant people are. And he's obsessed with this one professor at Stanford and he really wants to take his class. And he ends up finally, whatever things happen, get lots of obstacles along the way but he finally gets to have a like one-on-one with this professor that he's looked up to and the professor says to him like you don't have to be at stanford 
to be a great writer. You just are a great writer. He like read a piece of oh my god, like, that's his so essay awesome. or whatever. Yeah, I, I'm telling this very out of order. He's but like, so should I just go to Chico State and save some yeah, money? Yeah, no, and that's that's actually, I mean, spoiler alert, that is what happens. He ends up just going to like whatever his yeah, yeah, because his girlfriend went there and he wanted to be with her. It's kind of like, weird. It's kind of this is a it, it's, it's a wonderful life type of thing. I know it is, but it's like a really it's like a really sweet. Yeah, it's a really sweet story. I just appreciated that he was like, "Oh yeah, you don't have to like keep moving around to be good at something. You can you just are good at it." That's sick. Yeah. Anyways, that's a great movie. What do you think about uh Samantha taking Richard back and everybody's thoughts on it? Um I feel like everyone's very cavalier about him. You know, like, Charlotte you like sticks her tongue between her fingers. Yeah. And yeah, it's just very, this whole scene is so writerly and funny and quippy and mm-hmm. all this stuff. But really, like, it's so sad that she's going to go back to him after what he did to her. Um, and I don't know, it's executed very well. This episode, you know, it, it, she's, she cannot let it go. And like, that's exactly what would happen. It's like, if you were like, nope, you know, we're going to, you know, fresh, f- clean slate, like, you know, we're just going to, we're just going to put that behind us. And, you know, our new relationship starts right now. No looking back. It's like, you can't, you cannot divorce yourself from a past as hard as you try. Like, I really believe that, that if there are like issues in a relationship or like a lack of trust or something like it, it kind of just erodes you. It like yes. chips away yep. at the goodwill. Yes, yes, yes. And that I think is what has happened here. Like it, the damage is just done and she really wishes it wasn't that simple because she wants to, she wants to like talk. She, she basically just wants to talk her way out of her feelings and she can't like, you just can't. It's that thing of like the body keeps the score. It's like you can tell yourself all goddamn day that you're over it, you're over it. But if your body is like, mm, are we? Wow, that's like, a good way to listen it. to your body. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's interesting because it's like, I like what Miranda says. It's like, okay, so he was scared, so he deserves a medal. It's interesting to hear the way women will justify making yes. horrible decisions with men. Yes, there's so much like put put their like their weaknesses their flaws their needs all of this like before your own heart yeah it's interesting uh, I love how Miranda called that out yeah totally And, and I think you're right that I think part of the reason that they're cavalier about this is like We've all been sitting across a friend at brunch when they're like yeah I'm gonna get back together with them and you just look at them and you're just like I mean, what can I say? She's an adult. She's in her 40s. There's nothing. Nobody can stop her. So you just kind of shrug it off and say your piece. I think we've talked a lot about like cheating and forgiveness and and stuff. And I think this particular example is, I think, an example of something that would be hard to fully forgive because of the way it all went down and also the way the relationship is. Richard and mm. Samantha seem to me to have a very superficial relationship. Seems like it's really based in like sex and money and showing off and doing naughty things. And doesn't really feel like there's much more there. So the fact that he cheated, it just feels like, I don't know. It's not like, oh, they they were fighting for two years because they lost a baby and he like had an affair at work. It just felt like right. he just wanted to. And so he did like. Yeah, it felt it feels more like a part of his character than like a flaw that happened that won't happen again, you know? Yes, 
Yeah, and also the foundation of their relationship was built on neither of us want to be monogamous. Yeah. So it's kind of this thing where, you know, in a way... It's not like, oh, well, I said it at the top of the relationship, so, like, that's, you know, that's just, like, you know, the word, I don't guess what I'm trying, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I guess what I'm saying is, like, if you stated at the top of the relationship, that's, like, it's not like a contract. It's not like, well, you signed, so you don't get your money back. It's like, no, like, you know, even if you say you want one thing at the beginning of a relationship, like you're allowed to change your mind. Of course. Everybody's allowed to change your mind. Your feelings are allowed to change. You know, you're allowed to be like, yeah, I, I think, you know, I want to keep it open. And then you're allowed to go, actually, I think I want to close it. You know, <laughs> like, exactly. I, I, yeah. So I just think I this know. particular incident of cheating, because I think some incidents of cheating are worth forgiving and moving on and trying to repair. But this to me just feels like an essential part of who this person is that just isn't going to change. That's yeah. why I think it's sort of like kind of a bad deal for her because I think she's sort of deluding herself because she knows the kind of guy he is. It's just not that he's just you hear about husbands like this. Like, I don't know. I feel like my grandma's dad was like a traveling salesman and would like sleep around all over and then can't come mm -hmm. home. And she said he totally loved his wife and was like a great dad. And a, it's like there's just certain men that you just like not to say it's OK, but. Why do you think if it's. If it's Samantha, and I don't have an answer to this. I really am just asking. Yeah. If it's Samantha, do you think that this would be a hill for her to die on? Like monogamy? Like, do you, like, I guess I was under the impression that she wanted to have an open relationship. And then she got to a point where she's like, actually, I, I want to close it. I just want to be with you only. Um, or has Samantha always been monogamous, but she just, that she wasn't in a relationship that warranted only being with one person like no one fulfilled her enough until Richard came along and he was enough such a, she didn't need to go outside of the relationship it's a really great question and it kind of just makes me wonder more it kind of was a little bit like Carrie and Aiden to me it's like I don't totally understand what is so different about Richard than the truly thousands of men that she sleeps with I don't really see what she's getting from him that no one else can get she is always sleeping with rich good-looking um, fit guys. I don't know what Richard has, but I think to your point, I think the idea of this character is that she keeps her heart under a lock and key. And if somebody gets to it, then they fucking get to it. And I think somehow this guy got to it, which personally, I don't think is totally clear why, mm -hmm. but for whatever reason, he's gotten under her skin and she feels like love. And so I think this is a completely different animal than how she can normally be. Yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah. And also, I think it's, it's unfortunately, it's a classic thing of like, he's, he's kind of tough to get. Like, you know, he keeps it cool. He's always like a really even keel guy, which I think is um, like subtly threatening when someone's just like fine all the time. You're like, what's, wh how do you do that? Like, how are you so unaffected by the world? Like, how are your emotions not changing? Like, he seems so just like confident, steady, you know, successful. He's just like, life is just like built for him. Like, he just seems so in charge of his life. And I think that that is, uh, I think that's a very hard personality type to get close to. 
because he's kind of like impenetrable. It's probably why she likes him. And I Samantha mean, Samantha is. I think that's why she finds him so hot because it's like he's kind of unshakable. Wow, that's a really good analysis because I was like, why? Why is of all the guys? Why is it him? And I think you're right. It's because he can kind of like take it or leave it. He's cool as a cucumber. He's kind of her as a man. But then the flip side of that person, the downside, is that you end up projecting all of your insecurity onto them because they are kind of a blank slate of a person. Like, they're just good all the time. Like, works great. Sex is great. But that's not real. Nobody's really like that all the time. No, no, no. But I'm just saying in the the context. But yeah, in the context of this show. Well, actually, I think I've met people where they seem so... Like, I feel shook and they're just very steady Eddie. And then I find myself feeling more anxious around them or something because I'm like, oh, like, what? what is that like? And then wow. I just kind of, like, project all my shit onto them, just like I'm projecting onto this storyline. No, I think that you have a good point. I think... I think most of the guys that Samantha dates like want her more than they than she wants yes. them and they're more needy. Yes. A lot of them are stupid. I think this guy is kind of like her match almost. Yeah. And yeah, also so tricky when they're like buying your love. Like he like whisked her away to that like, you know, he whisked her to like Brazil or something at one point. And then another time it was like the rooftop with Sade playing. And yeah, there's just a lot of like, it's like the he's only got way a lot of moves. Get, yeah. He's got a lot of moves. Canary Diamond in this episode. I mean, that's why some people, some like hip, really smart, cool feminist girls hate this show, like my sister, because they're like, this makes women look so fucking stupid. Like all it takes is like a nice dinner to make, it just makes them look so superficial. And right. I'm like, here's a piece of jewelry. Like men buying jewelry for women is so fucking creepy. I don't think it's creepy, but I don't think it's like it's the reason to love creepy. someone. Don't say that. Cause I want stuff, people to when buy a man shit. buys a woman, like a tennis bracelet or something. It's really like, superficial like, to be like, this is why Cartier. I love you. You're always yeah. like, Oh, like I would never trust a man who's like, let's get you like, let's get you some nice real diamond studs. Like my girl wears real diamonds. Okay, well, actually, very quick aside, I'm <laughs> yeah, I'm, tell me, I'm binge watching this not that good reality TV show called Made in Mexico with my friend, and it's about like these like good looking rich people in Mexico, this friend group, mm. and this guy is such a fucking asshole to his fiance, and he treats her like shit, Ew. and he's like such a macho, but then like the next day. He like bought her like a really expensive thing and like took her on a jet somewhere and she like fully forgave him. And I was like, this is so sick. Like, it's sick. You can't just like be abusive and then buy someone something. Oh, man. Okay, well, back in action. Yeah, back in action. Take us away. Yes. Later at Miranda's, she and Steve do some baby proofing, even though Brady is literally like four hours old. (laughs) I'm not really sure why they feel the need to do this right now, but okay. Brady isn't even crawling yet, but when he starts, they don't want to worry about him conking his head on a coffee table. As they're wrapping up, Steve pitches Miranda on one more little safety measure. What if they got Brady baptized? Steve's ma sure would like it. And even if Miranda doesn't believe it matters, what's the harm? Over at Richard's, he and Samantha pick up the chat Sam had with the rest of the core four at brunch. Sam tells him Miranda thinks he's full of shit and will probably cheat again the first chance he gets. And he tells Samantha he's not dating Miranda. He also pulls out quite the canary diamond, which is the I won't go down on anyone but you ring. And that settles it. 
And Carrie's still dealing with her writer's block. She heads out to play How Many Out of a Hundred with Charlotte. It's a street game where they mark how many guys out of a hundred on the street they would sleep with. But Carrie's too cynical and keeps passing up good guys. It almost goes from bad to worse when her editor passes. She's been ignoring his calls, but... He actually has good news. A publisher wants to turn her column into a book. Carrie meets up with the publishers, played by Molly Shannon and Amy Sedaris, literal dream team, Mm -hmm. for drinks. They pitch their take on the book, and Carrie tries to match their enthusiasm. They want her to confirm that even after all the breakups, she believes the right guy's still out there. Carrie isn't sure, but she does want the book to happen, so she kind of rolls with it. Over at her place, Charlotte writes with lipstick some affirmations on her mirror, and Carrie goes on a walk with Sam to talk over her stress about the book. She isn't sure how to feel. They quickly get derailed when Carrie spots Samantha's new Richard Won't Cheat Anymore ring. Later, Miranda catches up with Steve for the baptism meeting, who brought along a surprise. This is my mom. Mom, Miranda. Hi, Mrs. Brady. So nice to meet you. No, Mary, please. Oh, you're so fancy. I wanted to wear my nice dress, but the dry cleaners doesn't open until 10. I was hoping that you'd bring little Brady since I haven't seen him yet. I mean, well, you know, Stevie gave me a picture. I've been carrying around in my wallet. It's a little creased. I should have put it in a frame. I Xeroxed it at the phone company, and everyone in my division (laughs) said he looks like me. It's the most intense mom guilt. So I'll see him at the ceremony. I'm just grateful to be included, especially since I know you aren't Catholic and you didn't want to have a christening. But the idea of this little baby burning in hell. All right, all right. I'm just saying. (laughs) My oldest son, Jackie, had a baby who died. Two weeks old. He's oh still reeling. His wife is black. She's not very friendly. Thinks oh I have God. a problem with her. But I don't. Oh, I don't. Actress. Listen, maybe the priest doesn't need to know you aren't getting married. When I lying to the priest, Ma. Oh, now you're religious. Okay, that woman deserves an Oscar, Tony. I mean, she's a goat. It is, she recently passed away. Oh, God, um, she's good. Yeah, she's like a New York iconic Unbelievable. Actress. Scene stealer. Yeah, that whole scene is so funny and crazy. Great writing. And that character feels so real. You know what, though? I was on her side. I was like, you know what, Miranda? I know you're a fucking redhead boss lady that don't need no one. But this is also Steve's baby. And the fact that you haven't even introduced the baby to his own grandmother is, like, pretty shitty, honestly. Yeah, I also am, like, I don't understand Steve's relationship with his mother. Because Miranda has not met Ma this entire time. That's true. Um, The whole time she's ever known Steve. She's never, ever met her. She says in this episode, this is the first time you've even mentioned your mother. But then Steve seems really close to his mom, but then the mom still hasn't seen the baby and they live in the same city. But Miranda barely lets Steve see the baby. I think Miranda's very protective. I don't think she's very open to letting, you know, she's so like minimal. Steve only gets to be like so much involved. And I think she's a real gatekeeper to Brady, honestly. I mean, I didn't realize that until this conversation. I was like, oh, that's... And also when Miranda says, 
I don't know if it was earlier in the episode or later. She's like, I've never met your, you've never even mentioned your mother. I'm like, who doesn't mention their mother? Okay. Like, also, Steve seems like such a mama's boy. It's so confusing. But Miranda's so judgmental and so critical. If he was like, oh, yeah, I got like a loudmouth Italian Catholic right. mom who's going right, to, she right, would right. hate her. You're right. What You're do you right. think? He probably felt like he couldn't. Yeah. Okay. If you married someone who happened to be a different religion, let's say Christian, Catholic, whatever, but they mm-hmm. weren't that intense and then you had a baby and they wanted to baptize it, where would you be on that? Um, well, I think in my particular case, as a Jewish woman, I'm not religious. I was not raised with religion. Um, I still think I would feel a little strange. Do you think you would say yes? Or do you think you'd consider it? I, I would probably consider it, um, just because I do think that if uh, it's such a tricky thing because, I actually talked about this a little bit in my book. Like there's a thing where it's like, okay, if you have less tradition in your life than your partner, you should defer. Does to them. that mean that you have to absorb their tradition? But I actually think a lack of tradition is just as valid. Oh, that's cool. I like and that. And I think that we, and I'm not speak. this is not my situation, but like there is sort of, there can be like a bullying that happens. It's like, well, you don't care about religion and I do. So just adhere to me because I care. But not caring also can be like, yeah, I don't want to expose them to yeah, this. Not, and- not caring is caring. Like that's a choice as well. Really I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. And I'm not saying like, there's a definitive answer in how to handle this because I really think it's so personal and it completely depends on your comfort levels and all the things. But um, yeah, I, I just wanted to put that out there because I think that, a lot of times, not just in the situation of having a baby and debating whether it should be baptized or not, if it, whether they should be baptized or not. Um, But I think that in general, like if you are with someone who happens to like have more faith in their life or more, I don't know, family traditions or whatever it is, like that feeling of, oh, I have to like I just am going to be absorbed into their orbit. That's just like a, that can be really, really uncomfortable and bring a lot of tension. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if I ever have children, I think I would raise them as I was raised, which is very casually reform. I would have them yep. go to Hebrew school. I would have them get bat mitzvah and that's it. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't have a bat mitzvah and I didn't go to Hebrew school. Um, but Dan did did he and like it i liked my experience i don't think i would have a i think that type of stuff i'm like oh that's cool because i didn't do that and i think that would be like it sounds like at the very least it's like community you get to meet and also kids. if you go you to get a to, form temple like it's like lots of people are atheists it's like so chill absolutely. it was kind of just like for me it made me feel like i learned about like we learned about World War II and what it meant to be well, Jewish and that type of that's thing. That's the stuff that I would really want because I feel like I learned that way later in life, which is wild because it's like literally in my blood. And I just my mom just never she just like never enforced it. I think because when she was a kid, she grew up in Teaneck, New Jersey, which actually now is like one of the most Jewish places. Truly like the most orthodox wow. in in the United States. Um, it's either the first or second oh, wow. most most orthodox community. And um, it wasn't as orthodox when she was a kid and my mom was not raised orthodox. But I know she had resentment because she felt like it was kind of shoved down her throat. So she rebelled by chilling out. Yes. She rebelled by chilling out. And my grandmother was not very religious. In fact, I think her 
either her mom or her mom's mom was atheist. Jews are so notoriously not religious, ad- by the way. What? Jews are notoriously not religious. Oh, oh absolutely. It's very absolutely. common. But for me, but in my, I think for them, it's like, yeah, but there are a lot of Jewish holidays and there are the other holidays. So you're just kind of like, you know, it's if it's if it's not as important to truly everyone in your community, or sorry, if it's not as important to you as it is to every single person you come in contact with, I can imagine that feeling a little stifling. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um. Anyways. Okay. All right. Well, sweet. When sweet deal. Mary, Miranda, and Steve get inside, Miranda redlines as much religion as she can from the baptism with the priest, and they're all set. Little Brady won't have to worry about his eternal soul after all. Later, Carrie and Miranda head to a Catholic clothing store, amazing, to pick him up an outfit. And Miranda asks Carrie to be the godmother, which I thought was very harsh. Yeah. I was like, are you seriously not asking Charlotte? That's insane. I know. And she doesn't even care. And Charlotte would love it. But then she does care. I guess Miranda ultimately did care. Anyways, Carrie and Charlotte head to the Fountain of Belief, a sort of power of positive thinking seminar for single women. As they sit down, Carrie mentions the godmother arrangement, but her casual tone is too much for Charlotte. Being a godmother is sacred, and she won't speak to Carrie until she understands that. It takes about two minutes. And Samantha and Richard head to dinner. While she took his diamond ring, she still hasn't totally forgiven him. She keeps hitting him with the old eating eating out tongue. Oh, yeah. She keeps hitting him with that old, like, V-vagina tongue movement. And What is that called? Yeah, yeah what do you I, call that? I, I had to look it up, and there's, like, some, what do you there's call some it? urban dictionary term for it that's, like, vag face, which I was oh like, God. I, don't, I didn't oh, want okay. to type that's that. Vag face is so hilarious. No, don't write that. Don't write that. <laughs> you might that's, get canceled, Skylar. Well, the Urban Dictionary should be canceled. On oh, my that. God. Because I, I genuinely typed out, like, the words that I've typed here, too, into Google, because I was like, there must be a word for it. But I love actually, how you settled with the old eating out tongue and two fingers. So, so much clunkier. one of the funniest <laughs> things I've ever read. The old eating out tongue and two fingers bit. Well, actually, fucking hilarious. to give Urban Dictionary props, I do think Vagface really quickly gets across what we're trying to say here. That's true. See, vag face to me is like what a bulldog looks like. Well, it's like yeah, just it a lot of folds. Well, because it's like it's not like the finger, you know. It's not this. It doesn't right. have the same. It's not as clear to me what vag face. Impl- I have the, to say, the gesture part of it. It is, is hurtful to hear if someone I, if that's directed at you, vag face. If someone called you vag face, I'd be like, shit, I gotta like. But you guys, I have get a facial. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they're like, look at that beautiful vag face. That's true. It's just Vaginas really, are beautiful. Vaginas are beautiful. Con- I'm not vagina shaming. Context I am is not. king. But the point Context is, is everything. the fact that they did it so many times in the episode was so embarrassing, honestly. I mean, Charlotte's was insane. Her <laughs> eyes popped. They popped out of her head when she did it. It's one of the she things like that, was like, possessed. <laughs> it's one of the things that like occasionally when Chris and Davis has to do like kind of bigger swings as a character in the show, she, you can kind of like so big. Oh God, yeah, you can so see funny. her like Getting ready for it a little bit. It's always I really wonder funny. if it's because Charlotte's supposed to be so repressed. So when she gets to be like, yeah. quote unquote, fun She's or crazy. So yeah. She just like fucking goes full throttle. But basically, yeah, 100%. Sam is wearing okay, the ring to okay. dinner. She's doing vag face in kind of a teasing way. She's saying, we're still together, but I haven't forgotten. And then a little test comes, which is a young hot woman passes by their table and Richard doesn't even turn his head to look at her. Sam is impressed. Maybe he is really done cheating. Back at Fountain of Belief, 
Charlotte stands to ask Cheryl, the woman behind the seminar, why her affirmations and putting herself out there are not working. Unfortunately, Cheryl is not a big help. She just insists Charlotte must not be trying hard enough. And even though Carrie backs her up, that's basically that. At Brady's baptism, Carrie meets Patrick, Brady's godfather and Steve's horned up second cousin. He hits on her before Miranda pulls her away. <laughs> it's a nice dress. Well, I didn't want Brady to show me up. Uh, by the way, I think your baby's godfather baptized himself with some bad cologne. Yeah, well, Brady's grandmother invited the folks from Molly Maguire's. <laughs> well, I know you got your hands full with the drunk and skunk, but I have to tell you something. I'm too fat to be wearing this, aren't I? No, oh no, you no, you look beautiful. God. No, it's me. Are you sure that I am godmother material? Shouldn't you maybe pick someone a bit more maternal? No, I like that you're not. Here's the thing. This is such an awesome responsibility. I don't know my own view of the future. I think I'm possibly one bad date away from bitter. Don't you think that I, I'm getting a little cynical? Not compared to me. Carrie, you're my best friend. Okay, but just so you know, Charlotte's dying for the job, and I think she'd probably be better at it. I don't know if I believe in any of this, but I believe in you. I want you to be my baby's godmother. Well, I did spring for the hat. That is a beautiful scene. Yeah. That's really, really actually interesting just rehearing it because I watched this episode a little while ago. And that's an interesting choice that like, that's something that's very dramatic for for Charlotte to really want something for it really to matter to her. And Miranda doesn't change her mind. That's really says a lot. I know. I, I kind of forgot how this episode ended and I was really surprised by that. I think it's a strong like, oh. choice, actually. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I... um. I, I mean, this show is so beautiful and it, it's really cool too, because there's so many different kinds of mothers and women out there. Like I have a friend who doesn't have a maternal instinct in her body and she's such a brain. She's a PhD in information sciences. She's just mm -hmm. a really brilliant, dry person. And she got married and fell in love and he wanted a baby. So she has a baby and she's a mom, but she's definitely more of like a Miranda type mom and she loves her baby. It's not like she doesn't, but she wasn't a kind of person that was like a Charlotte type person. And I like that the show shows these different kind of moms, like a mom like Miranda, who's like obviously going to love her baby, but it wasn't like some big goal. And then they show a mm -hmm. woman like Carrie, who's like in her deep 30s and not really sure. It's, it's kind of a refreshing thing. Yeah, I agree. I, I for some reason, I got I was a little bumped by and tell me how you feel about this. I Not bumped, not logic bumped. The scene's awesome. I, I'm a little I, I don't love how Carrie kind of assumes this like kooky single friend role suddenly where it's like Miranda has a baby and, you know, Miranda's still Miranda, right. like you were just saying. Like Miranda is just Miranda with a baby. But now I feel like Carrie's kind of in this like, I don't know, just like just like kooky Aunt Carrie who's like, are you sure I'm godmother material? Like it just felt very like, I don't know. She was acting as if she was like wasted and like crazy. And it's like, 
there's just a little undertone of like single shaming to me in that. Well, I um, have to in the say way that was written. I can relate to it because there's times where I feel like empowered and I love myself and I'm hot and I'm like dating and I'm in a relationship. But there were times where I, I found this version of Carrie really interesting and it's not the most fun version. I mean, this is the first time we see Carrie actually cynical and bitter and not really flirting and there's no guy that's, in her life and i think that there yeah, are times you know there are times where you know her best friend is in love or other best friend has had a baby and she's kind of like what the fuck is wrong with me why can't i her the love of her life left and then she broke up with another guy like i actually feel for me that's not how i always feel but i found that cynicism relatable and when she's like oh i completely found it relatable yeah. it just made me sad that she felt that way about herself but she doesn't feel that way for long it it's like an episode that's true no i, I know it was just a little bump of like I, go ahead hmm. sky jump in i was just gonna say i also think that i while i i hear what you're saying jamie with regards to like it being sort of a single shamey i just thing. want her to like feel excited and like i know that that is a realistic feeling and it's, totally. good it's not as fun to watch, it. obviously. Yeah, just, that's all I meant. It's just like I just I just feel like single people are like my aunt has uh she's just been um she she was married very briefly, but like has been single her whole adult life. And like my whole family has always kind of been like, oh, and I fucking hate it. So I'm very sensitive to that. I'm like, no, my aunt's a badass, she's super independent, she has so many wonderful friends, like she it, it's just like I yeah any tone of that I just get very you protective for Carrie and that that's you're upset that people are projecting onto that but Carrie yes. herself isn't happy with where she is no no I know I know I know that part I agree I just I don't know I just it, it makes me sensitive I also think that I was just gonna say it's actually it, the the move she's making is just set up in this moment a little bit more cleanly for me because it comes from it comes from Charlotte's claiming that being asked to be a godmother has a bunch of has like real stakes whereas for carrie and miranda before that it didn't mean anything so like so carrie's had this like check and it like sort of grounds just this moment but i totally agree with that there is almost like an insecurity of being. i just want yeah i just want all of the like sorry i wasn't trying to step on you i was just gonna say i just want like i just think like the feeling the feelings and feeling societal pressure and wanting things for yourself and wanting to change all that is like super valid and everyone should be going for whatever they want i just get i just want like single women to like feel like i don't know i just don't like single shaming i at all and i'm very sensitive to it and i i just i wish it was not in the zeitgeist at all i think it's like so well it's definitely it's definitely sexist and it's one way for sure sexist but i think that you know, people go through phases. I mean, there are people who are single who are like, oh my God, I cannot be, like, I know people that are like, I'm not ready to be in a relationship right now. I can hang out, yeah. but that's it. But she's not there. I think she's reeling from her last, I think she's like absolutely still devastated from like the breakup. Yeah, And I think she she's is. just in a low, you know what I mean? She's in a low. And it's good that they show that. Like, obviously for the show, you don't want someone who's just like always in a relationship or always thriving. Like, it would make for terrible, terrible television. And it is relatable. But it's sad I to just watch. Get sad yeah. that it's, it's just a reminder that it really is just a reminder. That's what I'm bummed out. It's a reminder that society thinks that way and that like women have to like defend themselves. My only <laughs> counterpoint to that is sometimes I think if you're sad to be single, it might not just be society. You could just be a little lonely, you know? That's true, too. That is a very good point. That's true. Okay. Take us out, James. 
Okay. As Brady gets baptized, Samantha's surprised to hear Richard join in on the ceremony. Afterwards, he even has a moment with Miranda. He wants Miranda to know the cheating was what he said it was. He got scared of commitment and acted out. As Richard and Samantha climb into a car and head off, Charlotte confirms that she thinks they're the real deal, but Carrie and Miranda still are not convinced. The episode closes with Carrie writing her book dedication. She makes it out to hopeful single women everywhere, especially Charlotte. It was so sweet. Interesting. I love the way this episode ends. Me too, but also like interesting to like start your book with a dedication, but also adorable. <laughs> it's like you haven't even read a, written a page. She's also, like, that's enough for today. I also I wanted to say one sentence. Exactly. They they like actually rendered it in such a funny way too, where like she's typing in forty eight point font on this it was like the biggest on this, font. Yeah, on this like text document that like has no menu. It's just the entire screen. It's so goofy. Like amazing special effects. Yeah, it's oh. like it's like we need to make sure this reads. It's like uh, she also v- says it in voiceover. Like that's it'll read. So guys. funny. Oh, my God. It's incredible. Okay. Well, this brings us to our question of the episode. That night, I started to think about belief. Maybe it's not even advisable to be an optimist after the age of 30. Maybe pessimism is something we have to start applying daily, like moisturizer. Otherwise, how do you bounce back when reality batters your belief system and love does not, as promised, conquer all? Is hope a drug we need to go off of, or is it keeping us alive? What's the harm in believing? That was some really loud typing. It was like clickety-clack-clack-click. That's a funny question because it's like, the question is like, should you be hopeful or should you be in despair? It's like, I guess I would choose hopeful. Yeah, I would say hopeful. I mean, it's not a real question, but is she kind of wondering? I mean, just to put it into context, she's licking her wounds after a breakup. The love of her life moved across the country. She's feeling really alone. And she's just kind of wondering, like, is there really someone out there for me? You know? Yeah. I think that... Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, obviously, I would say... It's like, such a, like, it's like an ice cream or like a pile of shit. It's like, it's yeah, It's like, do obviously. I want to suffer or do I want to feel good? I know, it's, it's like a what? no-brainer. Um, yeah, so I think we've pretty much answered this. Like, yeah. I'll take hope like, for 100. Keep, keep, keep the faith. Yeah, like, yeah, stuff does work out. It's just, you just don't know when. Yeah, there's this, like... That's the, that's the problem. Yeah, I think sometimes hope is hard if you're in a weird place, but I think that, yeah. that... And, you know, this can sound so condescending or whatever, but I I think that if it's at all possible, and I say this to people because I say it to myself, like thinking positively and like assuming things will work out is actually like kind of good for you. Yeah. If you um, can, there's a really, there's a, there's a great, um, we love Headspace. Jamie got me hooked. It's really, really good. Um, but they have a pack in Headspace uh, called uh, something about change, like adjusting to change or navigating change. But it's a really cool. It's a really cool set of exercises. I think it's a ten day one because um, Headspace has like one day, ten day, thirty day packs. Um, but this one's ten days, and it just makes you aware of like everything is fleeting. Like every, anytime you have like a bad feeling in your stomach, like, or whatever, you're just like kind of down. 
like it will go away quickly. Like it or like it will cycle into eh, maybe things are not so bad. Maybe even to like, actually, I'm having a good day. Then it'll cycle back to like, actually, no, I feel terrible. Actually, I want to die. Actually, you know, maybe I don't want to die. Like all day long. That is like not saying that's exactly the script going through everyone's head. But some version of ups, downs, ups, downs all day long, whatever your situation is. And the pack makes you aware of those changes. Like it tries to make you attuned to like, oh, I actually feel okay right now. Oh, I actually feel like shit right now. Oh, I feel okay right now. And just seeing how much, how fluid it is and how it really is kind of like waves in an ocean. Like, oh, uh, uh, you, you start to kind of not feel... Um, as like clingy you don't feel as precious about your feelings yeah because they all are so temporary so anyways um I highly recommend that one I thought it was really useful yeah I think that's great I mean I think it's like they have done studies that like having a good attitude helps you like heal from cancer faster and like yep so you know you're allowed to wallow everyone's allowed to throw a pity party this is the fucking pandemic if your life has gone to shit don't take what I'm saying and hear that I'm telling you that you should just like smile and whatever. But it's like within reason, obviously given a choice, it's more fun to be hopeful. But, you know, we're all, yeah. you know, we go through different phases. There were definitely phases in the last yes. few weeks where I was pretty fucked, but. Oh my God, I've been so mopey. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. But I, I think. That's why I did that headspace thing. Cause I was like, I need something. Yeah. You know, it's like wherever we can find it, it's good. And, you know, I guess what Jamie and I are saying is be, versus thinking everything is shit versus hopeful, we'll choose hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tough call, but <laughs> wow. <laughs> real Sophie's choice over here. We went real we went back and forth for days and we decided that uh feeling good is better than this feeling bad. It's the toughest call so, of the pod so yeah, far. Yeah. Yeah. Hot take. Um okay, cool. Well, this is our final segment. I'm horny for Sex in the City is obviously a very horny show. So we end each episode by sharing what we are currently horny for. Rose, what are you horny for right now? Um I've obviously spent two weeks in bed, so I've read every book and I've watched every TV show. But I have to say that I'm horny for my mom Aww. because this woman who is 66 years old has literally gone up and down stairs in and out of my room a hundred times a day when I couldn't. And um, I could never repay her, but uh, I'm very grateful. So that's that. Oh, I love that. Gal, give right, us well, something fun make, for the fans. Mine's gonna be mine's gonna be media. Good, related. yes. Um, Tell us what you're horny for, James. Well, I have two. Um, one is a book I'm reading called Untamed by Glennon Doyle, and it's sort of self helpy, but it doesn't really feel that way. It's more of like a uplifting memoir, I guess would be the genre. Mm -hmm. But what I love about her writing is that she has lots and lots and lots of chapters. And some of her chapters are like two paragraphs. And I just think that's like a cool writing style to just kind of break everything up into chapters. Um, and to, yeah, I don't I've know. I've heard so I much good cool stuff about she's that like, book. I just love how she'll be like, I have a quick thought about this. And then that's the end of the, the whole chapter. And then it's on to a next. Great. And then the next chapter will be like five pages. And you're like, oh, okay. It's just very cool. Easy it feels very like, yeah. And also it just feels very like, this is how I'm choosing to write my book. Like I'm not falling in line with like what I'm told. It's because I, I, the reason I'm so sensitive to chapter length is because I'm working on a book proposal right now. And it's definitely a thing. Like, you know, you're supposed to have a certain number of chapters and there's supposed to be a certain length and like all these things. So anyways, I just appreciate that she kind of gave, gave the middle finger to the structure. 
And it's just a really cool, it's just a really cool read. Like her perspective on life is just I can't wait to check it out. Thrilling. And yeah. And she also went through um a pretty brutal divorce and then ended up like finding the love of her life. And she was married to a man. Now she's married to a woman. And yeah, it's just like can't she really just kind of like did the damn thing. It's really wow. Great. Anyway, so that's one. And then the other one I'm horny for is the show that I write for which turned out really fucking good. It's called Ted Lasso. It's on Apple TV. And um, yeah, we're working on the second season right now, but the first season has, uh, I don't know when this comes out, but yeah, I think the whole season will be on, on Apple TV by then. And yeah, I'm just getting a lot of like really nice messages about how much people like the show and the shows we're talking about, like feeling good versus feeling bad. This is a feel good show, but not in a talking down to you kind of dumbed down way. There's still enough darkness to like make you feel like an adult. Um, but yeah, it's really uplifting and just a really, it just turned out really good. I'm like, oh, I write on a good show. It's fucking rad, Jamie. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. That's fucking rad. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow, that turned out great. Like when you're writing, you're not really aware of the outcome because all you can do is just like put it on the page. But yeah, I'm just like, oh shit, this is like a really quality program. So guys, so, yeah. uh, put it on your Apple TV and give it a watchy. Put it on. Yeah. And that brings us to the close of the app. Okay. I'm just going to say, love you. I love you too. Um, This is corny. I say it a lot, but we get a lot of really nice messages and DMs. Feel free to take those and turn them into reviews on iTunes. Apple iTunes. It really helps us get more sponsors. It helps the show. And it is, it, it really, we can't say enough. Like it's, it really does a lot for the show. So if you like the show and you, not to threaten you, but if you like the show and you wanted to keep going, that is a way to help us make that happen. And for those who have reviewed, thank you so much. You guys are thank the you. best. Uh, great to see you, yeah. Jamie. I love you. Great to see you, Skylar. Okay, I Anna. love you. Bye. Okay, bye guys. Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help a Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod. And follow my co-host, Rose Cerno, on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host, Jamie, at ReallyJamieLee on Instagram and at TheJamieLee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app if you're nasty. It helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production, executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. Yeah.